Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host of Mission Go. Our text today is taken from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, which says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. This is a great overview of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the God-man. He was 100% God and 100% man, undiminished deity, wrapped up in perfect humanity. And he is the only mediator between God and man. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only way to the Father. Because in John 14, 6, it says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. He's the only mediator. So if you're trusting in anything else but the Lord Jesus, if you're trusting in your works, if you're trusting in a religious figure, another person, or anything else to get you to heaven, you'll be disappointed. Because the scripture says there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Jesus Christ. and bid and tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. Have you sins that men's eyes are hid and tell it to Jesus alone. Are you troubled at the thought of dying? Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. For Christ's coming kingdom are you sighing? Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus, He is a friend that's well known. You've no other such a friend or brother, tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus, He is a friend that's well known. You've no other such a friend or brother, tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus alone. This is Radio Edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio some national missionaries from India. Uh, we have Asher and uh, Miriam, the mom and dad, and we have uh, a missionary kid, their son, uh, Sam, who is actually being educated in the, in, in the U.S. at this time. And uh, Sam, I'd like to uh, ask you how... how um, how do you feel about being a missionary kid and growing up in a Christian family and uh, being in the ministry in India all these years? Hey, everyone. This is, uh, my name is Sam. And uh, first of all, I want to tell that I'm really pri privileged having parents like that. Uh, one thing was, like, my father's mother was the only Christian in the whole village, and uh, she turned uh, she though the village was against her, 
she stood firm in the Christ- Christianity life and uh, she overcome all the all the againstness from the village and uh, she stood firm through her we are in Christianity right now um and uh, yeah though the temptations and uh, all the other things from the world comes to us but my parents stood with me and they were always with me so that i could be in the christ and know the lord jesus more well tell us about uh, your education that uh, you got in india uh i studied in india for like uh, up to the 12th grade and uh, by faith I've uh, applied to the universities in United States and uh, I've been accepted by by all, um by the universities I've applied I've, I've applied for four universities and uh, I've got acceptance letter from all the four universities uh, the education in India was like uh, it was it was tough but by by the grace of God I was able to complete it all easily and uh, yeah I'm right now studying in United States uh in Mel- uh Florida Melbourne. And where are you where are you studying now? In FIT Florida Institute of Technology. That's the university where I'm studying. And what are you studying? Um I'm a freshman in United States uh first year of mechanical engineering. That's undergraduate. And I understand you're doing quite well with your studies. Yes sir. Well, that's good. And um are you uh planning to stay in the United States or are you planning to return back to India? Yeah, uh, soon after I, I complete my education in the United States, uh, I'll be heading back to India so that I could get a work there and do my job there. Um and you're going to continue to uh do ministry there. Yes, sir. I would be helping my parents out. And tell us about uh, your your educational experience at, at Florida Institute of Technology. I understand that um uh you have some christian friends yes sir i do and you go ahead and t- you have some christian friends and you started a bible study yes sir it was all a, a new experience for me it's it, it was like a changeover upside down but though uh i've been adjusting and still uh yeah i have uh, many christian friends but two of them inspired me a lot and uh with them with their help we we have started a bible study group in our university where we started with 3 and uh, we are now like uh 8 8 to 9 members meeting every friday night uh, discussing the things that god have done the whole week and how how he was with them and what's going on with the, within their life Yeah, that sounds very interesting. I bet you're excited uh, when your mom and dad decide to come back over here and uh, be with you. Yes, sir. I'm excited. And you've been traveling around to uh Christian friends and churches sharing uh the ministry? Uh You can talk. It's okay. I can cut it out. So just well, I didn't get the question. Uh, I didn't get the question. Well, you, you uh, well, the question was about traveling around with your You're glad that your mom and dad came over and mm-hmm. now you're traveling around to different uh people uh, supporters and and friends and those kinds of things and how are you enjoying it is basically what I'm asking. Uh <laughs> enjoying in the sense I'm really very happy to be with my parents and uh, uh come to the places like uh, you know the office office of global uh, outreach missions and 
I'm really privileged to be with them and share share the gospel and uh, experiences in India. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Oh, that's good. Well, it's very nice uh, talking to you, Sam, and um, the Lord bless you. And we're so thankful that um, that you're in the United States, and uh, we're so thankful you're being educated here. And and I'm really thankful that your your desire is to go back to uh, India and continue your to minister over there. The mm-hmm. Lord bless you. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is a listener-supported program, and we would not be on the air without the support of our listeners, like you. In preparation for the coming of Christmas, we would like to offer a daily readings for Advent by John Piper. These 25 brief devotional readings from John Piper begin on December 1st and carry us to Christmas Day. We pray that God would use these readings to deepen and sweeten our adoration of Jesus this December and keep him as the center and greatest treasure of your Christmas season. The candles and candies have their place, but we want to make sure that in all the coming Christmas rush and hubbub, we adore Jesus above all. To order your copy, please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario L2R7A7 or in the U.S., Box 2010, Buffalo, New York. Thank you for your continued faithfulness. Man.
Today's message is from the Reverend George Francisco. Printed copies are available upon request. The topic for today is entitled, When God Says Enough. The late movie actress Katherine Hepburn once said, quote, I hate punctuating with periods. They're so final, like death. I use a dash instead of a period. And commas bother me. When I use one, I think I've stubbed my toe. I haven't made up my mind yet about question marks." Unquote. Well, I don't know about commas and question marks either, but like it or not, God uses periods. He often says, enough. Time is up. He is a God of judgment. Today we live in an age of grace. Today God is a God of mercy and forgiveness. The Bible clearly teaches us that God loves every person and that no matter how wicked or sinful they may be, they can come and find forgiveness. The Apostle Paul, speaking to the Jews following the crucifixion of Christ, said in Acts 13:38, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, Jesus, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Here Paul clearly indicates that all men can find forgiveness, even those who crucified God's Son, if they will come to Christ and call upon him. Later Paul wrote to Timothy by inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, saying that God would have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, 1 Timothy 2. Even the ancient prophet Isaiah wrote of the depths of God's mercy when he said, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, they shall be as wool. Isaiah 1.18 God's forgiveness is free, and for all men, no matter how sinful they are or have been. The Apostle John assures us of this, for he wrote, The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. 1 John 1 and 7 Scripture also teaches us that God is going to put a period or he's going to end this age in which we live. This is the age of grace and it's going to end and perhaps soon. And forgiveness will no longer be available as it is today. God uses periods. He can and will say enough. He is the creator. He has that right. The Holy Scriptures clearly warn us of a day of coming judgment. Romans 1.18 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Acts 24.25 And as Paul reasoned with Felix of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled. 1 Thessalonians 1.9 and 10 And ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Revelation 6, 16. And they said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? These and many other scriptures teach us that God will one day say enough, 
to the sinning of the wicked. Now, we shouldn't be surprised that God will judge the world of wicked men, for he has said enough several times in the past. If you begin reading the Bible, and I hope you do, in the book of Genesis, you don't read far till you come to the story of Noah. It's in chapter 6. So comparatively early in the history of the world, men had become so sinful that God was compelled to say enough. He placed a period on that culture. Let me read the story as it's recorded in Genesis 6, beginning verse 9. And Noah walked with God, and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark. Verse 17, And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. Noah obeyed. He built the ark and entered it with his family and the animals. And chapter 7 and verse 17 says, And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, and bare up the ark, and it was lifted up above the earth. Verse 21, And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, and every man. What a drastic judgment of God the flood was. It was total and it was final, like a period. And even though Noah had warned the people for 120 years, there were only eight souls saved out of the total population of that time. Later in the book of Genesis, we read of another time when God said enough. In Genesis 18, we read of three special men appearing to Abraham on their way to investigate the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. They are called angels in, G in Genesis 19 and 1. Abraham pleads with one as the other two go on. He pleads that the two cities would be spared. In a very moving account recorded in Genesis 18, Abraham, of course, is thinking of his nephew Lot and his family, all of who live in Sodom. Abraham asks God, for that's who he was, the angel of God, to spare the cities, first if fifty righteous were found, then if forty, then twenty, then ten. And God promised to spare them if ten righteous people were found in them. Then we read in Genesis 19 and 1, And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them and said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, unto thy servant's house, and tarry all night. The angels did so. And that night the wickedness of the men of Sodom was observed firsthand. And God said, Enough. Verse 12 says, And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides, son-in-law, thy sons and thy daughters? Whatsoever thou hast, bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. Lot, in haste, could only persuade two daughters and his wife to leave the city with him. Verse 23 says, And the sun was risen upon the earth 
when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. Verse 26 tells us Lot's wife looked back to Sodom. That is, she tarried in the plain and was engulfed in the conflagration, becoming a pillar of salt. Friends, that is judgment, and it was final. The apostle Peter wrote about this great judgment when he said in 2 Peter 2 and 6, that God, turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. God expects us to heed his warnings and to learn from past examples and to turn from sinful lifestyles to the Savior who waits to forgive, cleanse, and renew our lives in righteousness. A judgment day is coming on sin and those who take pleasure in unrighteousness. The only way to be prepared is to come now to the Christ of the cross, receive him as Savior and Lord, and know the cleansing of his precious blood. For the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin, 1 John 1 and 7. Then secondly, God can and will say enough, not only to the sinning of the wicked, but also to the suffering of the righteous. The problem of pain and suffering has haunted mankind almost from the start. The book of Job is believed to be the oldest book of the Bible, and the problem of suffering was real to Job and to his wife and to his friends. They all had different answers to the problem. None of them were adequate or satisfying. However, we do see Job coming to a new re realization of his own weakness and of the great wisdom and power of the Lord God. We also see that there came a time when God said, Enough! Job's sufferings ended. And this can give us a basis of hope and trust for our future. The Bible teaches that some of the sufferings of believers can be self-inflicted. 1 Corinthians 11.30, Paul says, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. That is, they died prematurely. So Paul is saying that some believers in Corinth suffered sickness and early death because of what they were doing. In Corinth, it appears they were making the communion a time for gluttony and intoxicating drink rather than the worship of Christ. So they were bringing suffering on themselves. Then the scriptures teach us that some suffering is allowed of God to further his purposes. At the time of Paul's conversion, God spoke to his servant Ananias to go and visit him. His name was Saul then. Ananias was alarmed at this, knowing that Saul had come to persecute believers. But God said to him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my sake. So right from his conversion, Paul was taught that he would suffer for Christ's sake. And some of the reasons are clear. First, he would be an example for those to follow. Rome was not kind to those who swore allegiance to any other king, especially King Jesus. And many believers must have been encouraged by Paul's example of suffering. 
Then secondly, Paul's sufferings were used of God to further the gospel. For Paul says in Philippians 1 and 12, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that all things that happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. In Philippi, Paul and Silas were beaten and thrown into prison. As a result, the jailer was converted and the church was founded. In Jerusalem, Paul was falsely accused and imprisoned and sent to Rome. It was during his imprisonment that Paul wrote many of the epistles that are so important to the personal spiritual growth of believers and of churches. Can you imagine what it would be like not having the precious books of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and the others? So we see that God is able to give strength when it is needed and to make all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. Sometimes suffering is meant to clear away the rubbish from our lives and make us fruitful, much as a gardener would cut useless limbs from a fruit-bearing tree. Hebrews 12:11 says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Sometimes we may never know the purpose of suffering here, but in eternity we will be satisfied. For Paul says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Romans 8:18. 8, Let us ask God for his healing touch. He may say, enough. Paul prayed on three different occasions. But when God said no, then he committed himself into the loving care of the Heavenly Father. Jesus in his suffering said, Not my will, but thine be done. May God give us grace to say the same and await his time of deliverance. We extend our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you for tuning to this radio broadcast today. Your presence and attentive listening have truly made a difference. Today's message was a testament to the power and beauty of Jesus Christ and the eternal truths found within the Bible. We sincerely hope that these messages have touched your hearts, illuminated your minds, and enriched your Christian walk. For those of you who may not yet know Jesus Christ, we humbly pray that these messages and broadcasts serve as guiding light, leading you to an understanding of the profound truth and the wisdom encapsulated in the Bible. May they stir curiosity with you, prompting a sincere search of understanding of the gospel and your personal connection with our Savior. In preparation for Christmas, we would like to offer a daily readings for Advent by John Piper. These 25 brief devotional readings from John Piper begin on December 1st and carry us to Christmas Day. We pray, that God would use these readings to deepen and sweeten our adoration of Jesus, this December and keep Him as the center and greatest treasure of your Christmas season. The candles and candies have their place, but we want to make sure that in all the coming Christmas rush and hubbub, we adore Jesus above all. To order your copy, please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario L2R7A7 or in the U.S., Box 2010, Buffalo, New York. Thank you for your continued faithfulness.
good day. If you, your friends from church, or family members are interested in more information about short-term or career ministry opportunities, or seeking someone to come to your church, or a group to speak about international missions, please call 866-483-5787 in Canada or 888-900-5048 in the United States or on the web visit www.missiongood.org. So we can share more information.